Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up, IMF indicates Ghana's economy is showing signs of recovery, but once reaching a deal with external creditors on time will impact next disbursement of funds. Also coming up, Foster steal over 26 million Ghana cities from mobile money users and even more from some banks. We'll update you on a new Bank of Ghana report. Plus, SNIT proposes increase in pension contribution of workers' salary, more as it also backs proposals to increase retirement age. We hear from the Director General. Obligation on us as administrators of the scheme is it is a higher obligation. Mm. Okay? One, because we have to pay longer, and two, because during the time that they were working, they didn't contribute long enough. Okay, so increasing a retirement age, for example, would definitely make the scheme more robust. We'll have more on that and other stories coming up on the marketplace to stay with us. My name is Daryl Carl. Thanks for staying with us on the marketplace. Now, Ghana's economy is showing signs of recovery with other indicators picking up. That's a view of the IMF team after concluding its one-week start visit to Accra. Here's more in this report. IMF, in its statement, noted the verdict was based on the fact that inflation is softening, whilst Ghana's international reserves are picking up strongly and there is less exchange rate volatility. But the team, which was led by its mission chief, Stefan Rodé, was quick to add that securing the next tranche of IMF cash of $600 million would be dependent on the timely debt restructuring with external creditors. It also disclosed that it took steps to review progress being made by government in meeting key commitments under the fund program ahead of its first review in November this year. They wrapped their mission visit yesterday after engaging government and some stakeholders over the past one week. Well, on Zoom with us is Associate Professor of Finance at the Andrews University, Professor Williams, prepared to discuss this. Uh, good afternoon to you. Morning is, uh, is morning in the U.S. The IMF mission's verdict after one week visit is that Ghana's economy is showing signs of stability with softening inflation and increase in its national and a less volatile action rate. That sounds very positive. Your take? To your viewers. Um, so this assessment is, um, is in line with what we all expected, that any time we have um, Ghana sign on to the IMF program, should bring some kind of confidence within the economy. Um, major three um, variables that are normally used to assess um, our country's performance, um, which is the exchange rate and the inflation rate, and then our um, international reserves or balance of payment position um, has been seen to have some form of um, improvement. Um, we've noticed um, a reduction in inflation rate. Um, remember in December, around December 2022, it was about 
Um, just um, having the IMF deal, um, we've noticed that it slowed down to about 42.2% um, in May. Um, this showed a relatively um, um, a reduction in, in the inflation rate. In the So you see that the rate of growth is rather coming down. And when we look at the exchange rate situation to that high volatility in December, um, we've seen that it's, it has come down. Um, yeah, we see it gives up some kind of confidence um, to traders, um, knowing that um, the exchange rate is not going to be changing um, um, rapidly or frequently as we saw in December. So that kind of stability is um, what we, we are expecting to, to see. Um, I'm sure if as we go forward and be able to fulfill all the other aspects of the program, we will see a major um, impact in the economy. Um, to, let me put it in this way. What we expect in an economy is a form of stability. And that is the signal that we are getting now, um, knowing that uh, people can now plan that uh, within the, the shortest possible time. However, the IMF cautions that uh, timely restructuring agreements with creditors are essential to secure the expected benefits from the fund-supported program. Early this week, Fitch also raised concerns about external debt restructuring delays. What can the government do? I mean, um, you see, um, our, our standard debt um, position um, from the data from Bank of Ghana, which is about uh, $28.4 billion, and really need to be restructured. Um, uh, during the, 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 the IMF negotiation, we saw um, the Paris Club and the other creditors coming together to give an assurance to Ghana. Um, Ghana may have to um, quicken that kind of negotiation with these parties and to be able to have a conclusion. Um, from the data, we need to secure about a 10 billion um, form of um, debt restructuring from um, both domestic and external. We noticed that the domestic one has been done, but the external one we don't, we have not even started or concluded. We really need to know um, how that can, that debt of 28.4 billion will be restructured. Uh. If some of them will be um, a form of a debt relief or maybe a debt profiling in terms of the terms of payments to give Ghana the room. Uh, if not, we will, see, we will still see this kind of insolvency I'm hanging on the neck of Ghana, which put Ghana in a very rich position in the long term. Well, Fitch also warned uh, about a second round of domestic debt exchange, but some analysts I've spoken to say that is already underway. Paul? I mean, um, it, it, it will depend on how Ghana will negotiate with the external debt holders. If we go to external creditors and we are able to get... Um, the quantum or the amount of debt um, relief or restructuring that we want, um, we may, Ghana may have to come back to the domestic um, debt holders. At the end of the day, um, the country belongs to Ghanaians. Uh, we cannot tie the hands of uh, the external creditors, but we may be able to strategize with or negotiate with um, um, domestic debt holders. So that is why um, that kind of um, discussion is ongoing. If you're able to um, and get a significant reduction from the external debt holders, this may really help us. And that domestic debt exchange um, will not happen. But if we fail to get that kind of um, significant debt restructuring from external creditors, the bilateral and then uh, private creditors, 
then the domestic debt exchange um, will continue. Now, even though the IMF talks about uh, softening inflation, uh, but just this week, the status quo service announced a surprise uptick in May. Anything to be worried about? I mean, um, we, we, we normally know the trend um, between June and July. Um, we, we, we see that in the society grows up a little bit. Um, if you notice from the report, um, the food inflation um, was a major factor um, in June. And, uh, so if, if we get to the season where um, we have a lot of um, production, food production in the country or coming up, and this will, will really slow down. But let me say that if you compare uh, the growth of rate in last year, as against growth of rate in this year, um, it's, it's a re- you've seen a significant reduction. But just um, that when you compare April to May, that is where you see that it, really, it went up a little bit. But it's not too alarming as it was um, last year. So this is still um, in line with what we, we are expecting. If you look at the, the, the trend analysis of how Ghana inflation rates and behaves, this is how it normally um, does. All right. Thank you so much, Associate Professor of Finance at the Andrews University. Uh, Professor Williams, we appreciate your time with us. Now, telcos have begun undertaking major modifications to their security systems, especially on mobile money apps after the Bank of Ghana Ford report on banks, specialized deposit-taking institutions, and payment service providers revealed mobile money scammers made away with customers' money totaling 26 million cities from 12,000 cases in 2022. Apart from the fraud on mobile money platforms, they also revealed that banks recorded close to 3,000 fraud cases with 188 bank staff involved. Forgery and manipulation of documents were prominent with a total of 33 million Ghana cities stolen. Here's more in this report. Fraud report reflects trends in fraud typologies observed in relation to services provided by banks, specialized deposit-taking institutions, SDIs, and payment service providers, PSPs. In 2022, there were 2,998 attempted fraud cases in the banking and SDI sectors compared to 2,347 in 2021, a 27.74% rise. Meanwhile, Overall lost value in 2022 was roughly 56 million Ghana cities, down from 61 million Ghana cities in 2021. This represents a 7.88% reduction from 2021. Forgery and manipulation of papers, fraudulent withdrawals, check fraud, cyber, email and cash fraud were the most common that affected most institutions. Forgery and document manipulation emerged as the most prominent fraud category. This resulted in the loss of 33 million cities. Another issue that is on the rise is fraudulent withdrawal. This includes money being illegally removed from consumers' accounts, resulting in losses of 7 million Ghana cities with the assistance of bank and SDI workers. Check fraud resulted in a loss of 5 million Ghana cities. Cloned checks were the most prevalent. According to the study, all fraud reports by payment service providers in 2022 were mobile money related, totaling 27 million Ghana cities. Some recoveries were achieved as a result of this, lowering the actual loss to 26 million Ghana cities. 
In other news, State Pension Trust Net is proposing an amendment to its act to increase deductions made from workers' basic salary as T1 pension contributions. It is also supporting proposals to increase their retirement age from the current 60 years. These are part of suggestions to help sustain the pension scheme to improve benefits. Director General of SNED, Dr. Jonathan Tenkwan, spoke on PM Express Business Edition. The law that we operate under currently Unfortunately, it nearly says that pensions where employees are, employers are obligated to pay uh, pensions on basic salary. Yeah. Okay? And so that gives room for people to do all kinds of gymnastics mm. as to what is basic, yeah. you know, but rather than your total remuneration. Right? Yeah. And I think that is something that uh, has to change. And you think it has to change? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. And, and we at Senate have been thinking... proposal? Yeah, we are, we, we, we are working on possible amendments to our act, uh, which we will table uh, before our board and MPRA and the tripartite, and yeah. eventually it will make its way to parliament, and, mm. and those things can be changed. Before the end of this year? Ah, you know how this process goes. Yeah, but but we, we, we've done our part. Oh, we've okay. done our part. So we're going to push it from us to NPRA and then yeah. to the Trapartite and then those things can go on. So, yes, what you are going to get will depend on what you came to ensure. So if you are working for an employer and you look at your payslip, you look at your payslip and you see that that payslip has only, you know, uh, 2,000 Ghana cities as your basic salary on which SNIT is paid. You can see it on your payslip. Yeah. And then you have 4,000 as a allowance and the car allowance and this as a yes, house allowance and all of that. Salary. All those things. Then, you know, you know what your retirement is going to look like from my point of view as the administrator of the pension scheme. Now, I said to you in our conversation that when you retire, we pay you for life. Mm. So the longer you live, the more we have to pay. And you make a contribution up to a certain point for a defined period. And then we have to take the risk of, for an undefined period, right? Mm. So if people are retiring early and living longer, right, then the obligation on us as administrators of the scheme is there's a higher obligation, mm. okay? One, because we have to pay longer, and two, because during the time that they were working, they didn't contribute long enough. Okay, so increasing a retirement age, for example, would definitely make the scheme more robust. All right, now some agri stakeholders are urging government to invest in agroecology. Agroecology is the use of environmentally sustainable practices in food production. Speaking at a national policy dialogue on agroecology, national president of the Peasant Farmers Association, Wepia Awal Adugwala, emphasized that agroecology is among many alternatives to improve agriculture. The Directorate of Crop Services at the Ministry of Food and Agriculture through the ECOWAS Agroecology Program in collaboration with the Center for Indigenous Knowledge and Organizational Development and the Peasant Farmers Association organized a national policy dialogue on agroecology. National President of the Peasant Farmers Association, Wepia Awal Adugwala, urged government to implement proceedings from the dialogue. This time is very important because 
the cost of uh, chemical inputs is very expensive. It started from 2021. We saw the Russia-Ukraine war came. There was a disruption in the supply line. Fertilizers were not coming. The fuels that were in the market were very expensive. And most of our farmers could not afford. And the implication was that most of the farmers who couldn't afford these uh, chemical inputs that are being imported into the country have to reduce their farm size. And once their farm size were reduced, it also led to, of course, production is going to reduce, supply in the market will reduce. And it's not surprising last year with the inflation, the general inflation we're seeing in the country, a greater component of it was driven by food inflation because most of our farmers could not afford the inputs that were coming into the country. But we can tap into the indigenous knowledge of our forefathers to be able to engage in sustainable farming at a lower cost. And that is why promoting agroecology at this time is very, very important to our people. National correspondent of ECOWAS Agroecology Program, Kingsley Ajuman, indicated that his outfit aims to implement initiatives targeted at addressing climate change, hence investing in agroecology. One of the outputs of this ECOWAS Agroecology Program, which is the framework on agroecology, that is ECOWAS expects all member countries to develop, to come together to constitute what we call national consultation framework. That is all the institutions, all the organizations that are championing agroecology in Ghana should come together under this one umbrella to champion agroecology issues in Ghana. Other donor partners are the European Union, German Corporation, Maggie Nice is program manager of the 11th hour project. It is, you know, at the same time a science and a set of production practices, but it is a social movement and it's really focusing on how farmers who are at the center of producing food, whose knowledge is the basis on which agroecology is built, you know, it involves traditional practices that people have been using for a long time crops, using mulching, cover cropping, um, planting plants that pollinators, pests, all these different practices, traditional knowledge. It shows that, you know, farmers really need to be at the center of transition and biodiversity and in nurturing the soils, which can then draw carbon out of the atmosphere into the soil. Because they are playing this vital role, as a global community, we really need to value the, the work that farmers are doing and the knowledge that they hold and how are we adequately compensating for that. Agroecology brings solutions to multiple sustainable development goals like zero hunger, food security and climate change. That we have to Now, in the light of empowering the youth to take advantage of current job opportunities, the Springboard Roadshow Foundation, in collaboration with MasterCard Foundation and Limehouse Production, has organized the Ghana Goals program to encourage students to develop the right skills to meet demands of the current job market. There's more in this report. 
Growth Program is an initiative designed to improve employability of the youth and offer mentorship for budding entrepreneurs. The move, which is powered by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation with support from MasterCard Foundation and Limehouse Production, is expected to assist over a million Ghanaian youth between the ages of 15 and 35 gain access to dignified and fulfilling jobs. The program will also offer tailored sessions for persons with disability and special needs. Speaking at the training session, renowned Ghanaian leadership coach Professor P.K. Richardson explained the need to adopt a continuous learning attitude. You can always learn something new. And the way the world is going, if you are going to continue to stay relevant and earn a good living and have a great life, learning should be part of your cake. Look at my own example. Trained as an electrical engineer. But I don't even know where my certificate is because it doesn't matter anymore. He further encouraged the youth to challenge themselves and explore new habitats of work. One of the most important, or perhaps the most important, is to be ready at all times to give up what you are for what you might become. Because if you are very happy with what you are, you will remain there. Human resource consultant Rosie Ebe Arthur admonished students to develop skills which will meet requirements of the dynamic work landscape. It's a big deal because there's a race to the top. Everybody wants to deliver something different. So be curious. Be curious because all these things, you think it's far away from Ghana. It's not. It's going to impact us when it comes to the kind of jobs that you can get because now we are in a borderless world. People are taking your jobs because you are not reskilling. So you go, the Chinese are taking your job, the Indians are taking your jobs because they apply and they've got the skill. What have you got to offer? What do you want to offer? The second edition of the program was held on the theme Making a Difference and Exploring Untapped Job Opportunities with a focus on reskilling and upskilling. The last edition of the Ghana Growth Program, which will discuss opportunities in the agribusiness and digital space, will be held at the ICGC New Wine Temple. The Social Security and National Insurance Trust says its subsidiaries will continue to make prudent investments in the health sector to generate revenue and sustain operations. To achieve this, the Trust Premium Centers launched the an Oncology Services and Cancer Care Academy to reflect the hospital's unwavering commitment to improving cancer care and treatment outcomes for Ghanaians. There's more in this report. As part of its mandate, SNET through its subsidiaries are expected to collaborate to make sound investments in various sectors of the economy. To attain best goal, the Trust Premium Center disclosed efforts to bring best to fruition by investing in cancer care and treatment. Speaking to Joy Business at the launch of its oncology services, the chief executive of the facility, Dr. Julaina Oye Ahmed said the services bring together a highly skilled team of professionals, oncologists, surgeons, nurses and support staff who are passionate about delivering the highest standard of care to Ghanaians. The, the name when people hear premium center they are thinking of high money, they are thinking of big money. But the premium is not talking about the cost of the care. It's talking about the value addition that we are bringing to the management of patients. And we try to make the cancer care as affordable as possible. So it is not on the higher side. It is affordable. 
and also the investigations and the treatments are also affordable. We are working with our partners. That's why the theme this year talks about partnerships for improved outcomes. We need to do a lot more collaborations. The government needs to um, partnership even with the private sector and the private uh, health facilities also need to come together in the care for cancer patients. We also call on the NHIA. They've done a marvelous job by rolling on a number of cancers onto the, onto the scheme and we ask even for more collaboration, especially in the area of testing. In a speech read on his behalf, the Chief Executive Officer of the National Health Insurance Authority, Dr. Bernardo Koboy, commended the Trust Hospital for its timely and groundbreaking initiative. The NHIA wishes to commend the Trust Hospital Company Limited and its partners for this laudable initiative. That is the Trust Care Academy, or setting up your oncology department. It goes without saying that for any policy to succeed, it requires extensive stakeholder engagement and the delicate expertise of bringing the right actors to the table. While well, still health-related leader and founder of the Calvary Church Reverend Ransford Obeng has called on government to increase investments into the National Health Insurance Scheme for efficiency in service delivery. He says enrollment and access to quality health service delivery are impeded by low investment in the scheme. The CCC is paying the premium of 1,000 children and mothers in the Ijal community in Kumase under the church's mass NHIS enrollment program. Nana Bwachi Adam has more. The National Health Insurance Scheme is a social intervention program introduced by the government to provide financial access to quality health education. The scheme is largely funded by the National Health Insurance Levy, which is a 2.5 levy on goods and services collected under the value-added tax. Head of the Calvary Charismatic Church, Pastor Ransford Obing, wants the government to continue making huge investments into the scheme for sustainability and effectiveness. Thinking is that... One of the things, when the money is given, I want to appeal to all politicians. There are certain money we don't touch. You know, there are certain money you don't touch. Everybody will go to the hospital one day. Today you are in power. So you have the, uh, 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 maybe you can, you have access to go to overseas and travel and get visa. By the time they come, you are Ghanaian. Something can happen, they can refuse you the visa. Nobody, everybody at all can be refused a visa. And then maybe the sickness is so critical, you don't have the opportunity to go to a divo- another place. What will you do? So we should not joke with the uh, scheme. The Calvary Charismatic Church has a target of enrolling over 1,000 women and children onto the NHIS scheme. Pastor Obain pleaded with the government to cut down on administrative costs to fund the scheme. When we pay the money, let's make sure that the administrative cost is just a little. And let everything go to the field. That's what I'm saying. But if the administration cost is so much, then what is it? Then you, 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 you destroy everything, the good idea that we have. So all that I would tell the politicians, they should look at the administrative system. If, if it's too much, the administrative cost is too much, they should reduce it so that it can get to the grassroots while we are paying it. I want to help them because I want everybody to be healthy in serving God. So the little that I can do, 
I said, let me do this to register people who have not been able to register. There are some, he has a lot of children, so he can't register all of them. Some beneficiaries of the CCC's mass NHIS enrollment are enthused at the intervention. For Joy News, Nana Bwati Dankwa Yadom, reporting. Right, that's our program uh, this Friday afternoon, but a quick run through what's trending on our website, myjoyonline.com. Financial sector for declines to 56 million cities in 2022. Also, in the news, we will amend SNET Act to collect contributions from workers' total remuneration. That's according to the SNET boss. We heard him on the marketplace. There is more news on our new website, myjoyonline.com, new interface, so you can enjoy. myjoyonline.com forward slash business. My name is Dao Kwao. Enjoy your weekend.